Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. All right. Well, welcome again this morning. We're glad you're here. Um, I, I will be talking about these in a little bit, so just kind of know we haven't forgotten about them. They're, they're going to have a role here uh, a little later on, and just kind of maybe have them close. As I'm kind of looking around me and thinking about this message today, I remembered something that kind of brought, helped give some focus for me anyway. This, this summer, many of us probably suddenly were shocked to learn that significant portions of Iraq had been overrun by a terrorist army called the Islamic Estate or ISIS or ISIL, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, I thought when our armed forces, our, our great men and women of, of service pulled out a couple of years ago, they had worked hard to train the Iraqi army to handle almost any threat. And yet, unfortunately, no matter how much we did, poor leadership in the Iraqi government, it appears, undercut so much of what had been done in terms of leadership and, and politicizing some of their process so that their soldiers were unprepared for an organized army of terrorists. And in, in many cases, we know they abandoned tanks and artillery and Humvees to the invaders. Um, money that, in many cases, our taxes paid for. And this terrorist army now controls upwards of a third of Iraq and Syria with, by some estimates, 30,000 soldiers, fighters, and yet the truth of the matter is, this Islamic state has been building for a while. We just weren't aware of it and weren't paying attention. And so when we fail to, to take a powerful enemy seriously, all too often we find ourselves overwhelmed before, before we know what's happening, as Iraq did. And the same thing, the same thing can happen as we seek to reach folks who are who are disconnected from God to share the good news with them of Jesus Christ, if we don't realize that there is, in fact, a powerful enemy at work. I know we want to take seriously what Jesus told us to do through the, through the great commandment and the, the, the great commission, that, that love drives us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ and to, to help folks know that God loves them and invites them into faith in God. That love is so important. And there's so many in our world today who don't know that, who haven't experienced that, who, who it's not real in their lives. But Jesus told us to be witnesses. He said, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here's the thing, we, we think about this, this task of being a witness for Jesus Christ like maybe that's a responsibility for some, for the, for the super Christian or for the church staff or, you know, folks like that. And, and it's easy to point the fingers elsewhere and think someone else is responsible. But Jesus made it clear that it is the responsibility of every one of his followers, every single one of us. All of us. But many of us 
have or think we will experience reaching out to others as being maybe at the very least awkward. We looked at some of that last week, if you were with us, at reasons why that might be the case. And yet we also talked about then and we want to kind of continue to affirm that when we push through awkwardness, when we don't allow it to stop us from doing what God ultimately does call us to do, to reach out to folks who are disconnected from God, that, that in, in our obedience and in doing that, God works in amazing ways. And, and He not only works, but then He gives us this incredible opportunity to have a front row seat to see His miraculous work, to see life change. You know, a lot of times we take it for granted. Maybe we know our own story and we know one or two others and we don't know if much else is going on. And yet, in a church like this, let me tell you, every week... Lives are being transformed. Every week, God is doing amazing things in people's lives. And yet, for those of us maybe who just gather here on Sunday for an hour, we may not realize it. We may not see that. And so we, we don't maybe recognize how much is going on that God is doing and, and how much he, he wants to work around us, but also in and through us. And so we talked last week more about how we can reach those. What are some practical steps? And, and we, uh, it's, if you want to download it on our website, you can do that, the podcast, because I talked about some ways that we can do that, that when we have the opportunity to share with others and to kind of push through that awkwardness. And, and that begins with us first knowing God's story. I mean, what has God done for all of us, for all people in all places in all times through Jesus Christ? And maybe the, one of the easiest ways to remember that It's just to remember John 3.16. For God so loved, remember there's that love again, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's this incredible good news that we have to share of God's story. But at the same time, you and I have our own story. Those of us who've had experience with God who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, And the cool thing about my story, your story, it's mine. I already know my story. I don't have to make something up. And my story is mine. And God gave it to me for a reason. He gave it to me as a gift to share with others, to share that story. And you know, there's an old saying faith is caught. Not taught. It is taught some, but honestly, it's caught more than it's taught. There are people in our lives who've had an influence on us to bring us to the point of choosing to have faith. And God wants to use you. And and He's not, you know, sometimes we think if I become a Christian, He's going to send me to be a missionary somewhere far, far away. You know, He does want us to be missionaries. But for 99.9% of us, he wants us to be missionaries right where we already are. He's already got us in that place. And you and I, we know if we look around us, there are a lot of people around us who are disconnected from God. Maybe even very, very far from God. And so taking that opportunity to share not only God's story, but how God's story impacted 
my story is an incredible gift. And, and honestly, that's all most people want to hear. How did it affect you? What difference did it make in your life? And then beyond that, we, we talked about other steps, and one of those I said was the need to be praying for opportunities to witness to another person. You see, part of, of seeking to discern, a part of all this is, is praying, is seeking to discern if God's been setting up a special moment where he's giving you or me this opportunity to reach into somebody else's life, to be a witness for Christ, to share our story and the story of God together. Because here's the thing, God loves you. We, I mean, that is the testimony of Scripture. But the, the other part of that is he loves the person next to you. And he loves the people you will encounter today. And he loves the people at your office. And he loves the people in your school class. And he loves the people who are far, far, far away from him. He, he deeply, deeply loves every person you're going to encounter today. And, and some of them know that. Some of them know the love of God. Some of them live in that to varying degrees. But some of these people struggle, and some of these people are looking for love. They're looking for affirmation. They're looking for acceptance, for someone to, to take them for who they are, not try to make them into something different, which is exactly what God does. His love is accepting someone for who they are and working for their good. And he calls you and me to share that with others because so often when people are looking for that, they're they're looking for love in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places. They're trying to gain acceptance. They're trying to gain approval. And man, that's a, that is a dead end. The more you and I push that, sooner or later we're going to find something that doesn't work. Somebody who's not going to give us what we're looking for. And if my value and worth is tied up in what somebody else thinks, then I'm always in their grasp. I'm always under their control. But if my worth is tied up in a God who loves me unconditionally, no matter what, then my value is no longer on the line. I am free to be who God created me, not who that friend thinks I need to be, not who that job is trying to make me into be, but just be me. For better and sometimes for worse, but it is who God made me, and He loves me. And sharing that love with another person can literally change their life. I mean, if 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 we're going through our day talking with God, and honestly, that's all prayer is. Sometimes we want to make prayer out to be some big, deep, dark secret. But honestly, prayer is just talking to God. You, you, you talk to the people around you, the people you have a relationship with, right? And, and don't you love it when your kids just kind of ramble with you? I know sometimes it gets a little annoying, but you like, I, I don't know about you, at least I do. I feel like it makes me feel good when they're just talking. But they feel like they want me to know them and know what's going on in their life, or they want to point something out to me. They just want to share their life with me. And that's exactly the way God feels about you and me. He just wants us to share our lives with him. And we do that through prayer. Not some big mystery. 
just by talking to God. And as we do that, if we listen, we can then be looking and listening for opportunities and openings to tell our God story to those around us in ways that aren't pushy or creepy. I, I, I don't, as I read Scripture, I never see Jesus pushing himself on anyone. In fact, I don't believe he calls us generally to do that. Part of our feelings of awkwardness come because maybe we've tried too hard somewhere and, and it kind of went south. Or maybe we just have seen somebody else do that. And so we don't want want to be like that. I want to tell you, I don't think that's what God's calling us to do, to force fit something, annoy someone. But when God's God's timing is right, a, a simple statement or a question can often be met with, with a great response, with openness, or at least questions. What do you mean? Tell me about that. I don't understand. How do you explain this? If somebody asks you a question about something like that, there's some, uh, there's some openness there. But if they shut you down, if there's irritation, if there's annoyance, I, I know for me personally, I back off at that point because here's the thing. I don't believe that, that I am the one that has to bring that person to faith in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, it's God who saves, not me. And I believe that God is bigger than, than just my actions. I, I don't think if I, I don't in a particular place share my story or whatever, that somehow that person is lost forever. I, I think God's bigger than that. But here's what I do think, that if I don't share my story, they may go through a little more garbage before somebody else does. And if I share my story Sometimes I get to see God work in incredible ways. I want to tell you, there is nothing cooler to see, seeing God work. You just feel like, man, that made my day. I, I know why I'm here. I, I understand what difference God can use me to make. And that is an incredible feeling that many of us push away because we're afraid a little bit of the awkwardness or afraid that, that, that it's not going to happen. But remember, God has been working in every one of us including those who don't know him, from the very first moment they were. In fact, we believe that none of us could even turn to God. None of us could even say yes to God without God's grace first at work in our own lives. And so if that is the beginning point, that means he is always working. And it's so wonderful when I get that chance to do that with others. But if I don't, I also know that because God is sovereign and he is all-seeing and all-powerful, that maybe I am not the one that will see the, the, the reap the harvest, but I do get to plant some seeds. And someone else down the road will get that, that joy. And that's fine because I believe in a God that's so much bigger than me that it's not dependent on me. But I, at the same time, He's so cool, he lets me have a part of it that I want to be sure that I do my part in every circumstance. Because if God loves that person, so do I. And I don't want to see them go through any more hell than they have to. And if he can use me, praise God. So prayer is important for this. And, and you know, we do things like life to life here is a great ministry. If, it, if, if you feel uncomfortable talking about your story or the story or walking alongside someone else, we, we offer that ministry here just precisely to help you gain some confidence in that area. But, but prayer is important in, in 
beyond just this discernment process. There's, a, there's another really important reason that I, I believe God calls you and me to pray, especially to pray for a particular person, and that's for them to come to faith in Jesus Christ because there is this spiritual war, this spiritual battle going on for the soul of every person you and I encounter. Just as God has, has claimed us and shed his grace upon us from the very beginning, the enemy is doing the same. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6:12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, in other words, the supernatural, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Guys, there is a real devil. He, he exists, and his goal, his mission, his, his, his purpose, he believes, is to corrupt every soul on this planet. And it appears that the devil, whom, whom the Bible tells his name is Satan, began as God's highest angel. But he tried to, to grasp a place of equality with God as alluded to by the prophet Isaiah. In, in Isaiah 14, he says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the Most High. Think back for a second. If you've, if you've read much of the Bible, think back to the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. What was the temptation that the serpent laid before Eve and later to Adam? Was it not to be like God? And here we see that same indictment thrown against Satan. Satan sought God's place. And that led then to the beginning of a spiritual war. A spiritual war initially in the supernatural that has become a part of our world. It says in Revelation chapter 12, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And this place has now become the realm of Satan, where he continues to wage his war. And yet, there is nothing that Satan can do to God. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He's in all places. Satan is not all-powerful. He can only be in one place at one time. So what happens? If Satan can't hurt God, maybe he can hurt God's people. Us. And that's exactly who he sets out to do. Because think about it. You can say stuff about me. You can do stuff to me. And, and I, most of the time I can, I can get past it and get on with it. But here's the thing. You mess with my kids. And that really, really gets something going. We, we, we intuitively sense that. And you have to understand that we are God's children. He loves us. And so when Satan can't get to God, he gets to God through us. He brings damage and destruction into our lives. He seeks to corrupt all that is good and holy and pure. 
with his lies. Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. When he says to you, you're no good, that you don't measure up, that you don't count, that you've got to be like so-and-so. I want to tell you, those are the lies of the enemy playing havoc in our lives. The devil tried to tempt Jesus at the beginning of his ministry to, to follow him, but Jesus resisted every attempt. And with his death on the cross, he defeated Satan. Well, Satan continues to fight back here on earth until Jesus' return and Satan's final defeat, which we read more about in the book of Revelation. But this is why Jesus came, 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil is working to bring all this destruction and devastation to God's good creation and to those whom he created, like you and me and our family and our friends and the people you know. And, and I am sure that one of his most beloved lies, one of his favorite lies, is encouraging us to believe that he does not exist, that he's not real. Don't worry about him. He's just a metaphor, or he's just a wives' tale, or he's just a story. And, and over half of Americans don't believe he exists. Over half. And, and, and of course, I'm not talking here about this red creature with pointed ears and a pointed tail. That, that image was created by Faust a few hundred years ago, and, and it's a popular image but it's so caricatured that it almost makes us then dismiss him. In fact, the Bible hints that Satan was the most beautiful of all angels before his fall and that he often disguises himself in, in positive ways to lure us in. It says in 2 Corinthians, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Now, the devil can create problems for those of us who are followers of Jesus. But he's, he's limited in how much he can do because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Spirit of Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. And if the Holy Spirit is living within you, then Satan cannot be there. Satan cannot be wherever Christ lives through the power of the Spirit. But the Spirit does not live in those who have not committed their lives to Christ. And so there, the, the devil can wield a lot more influence, even if it's not realized, if it's not recognized. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. In other words, for the, the mind of the unbeliever, the non-believer, without even knowing, without saying that this is an intentional thought, but, but the... The Bible says their minds are clouded by the enemy in this spiritual battle for the soul of every living person on this planet. But here's the thing. If you've grown up that way, that's all you've ever known. Why would you think anything would be different? And yet, it, it's amazing that for some people, when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, in that moment, often there is this profound sense of joy and peace when they turn their lives over to Christ. Especially for those maybe who have been further away and have had their mind more clouded than others. The power of darkness no longer can blind their mind or their heart because Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has now come to live in and push out the enemy. 
says in Colossians 2, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Through Christ, God has rescued those of us who believe, and has given us victory over the devil. And he offers that victory to all. It's not just for a handful. He he offers it to all people to turn to him, to receive him, to experience that victory over the enemy. It says in Colossians, "For for God the Father has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. But here's the thing. Our salvation is never simply about us. It's not, look what I got. I'm so happy. I'm good. I'm done. Jesus gave us the great commission, go therefore and make disciples, to remind us that we are saved to help others become saved. We are are saved to be a part of the mission with Christ. And that is how we live out the love of God that's growing in us is by sharing that good news to reach those who are disconnected from God to know that God loves them and Jesus Christ died for them for the forgiveness of their sins and to give them power to live life differently through the Holy Spirit that comes to live in them. And yet because there is a spiritual war going on for the souls of every person on this planet, it takes spiritual weapons and to battle the enemy. In Ephesians 6, Paul calls us to use the full armor of God against the enemy, which includes prayer. You know, we certainly need that to overcome Satan's lies in our own lives, but even more, prayer is needed to help those around us who are disconnected from God to begin to discern the truth, to begin to realize that there is a better way, there is hope, there is a possibility, that life doesn't have to be purposeless or meaningless. And so Christ's followers pray for others in order to break the power of the enemy in those individuals' lives. It's important. Your prayer matters. Now, I, I, at the same time, I don't want this to seem like a Halloween movie, like there's an enemy and he's in, in, in midst of everything. We've got to keep this all in balance. C.S. Lewis in The Screwtape Letters, which is a great book, by the way, small book about this conversation between two devils back and forth about how to try to corrupt the soul of, of a human being. And it's really good to read. It's, it's lighthearted, okay? It's not dark, but it shows how subtle the enemy can be, how easy he can take something and twist it in our lives. But, it, but C.S. Lewis adds this caution. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. But at the same time, we got to realize there is no question prayer has power. It makes a difference to help others come to faith in Christ. I I read this a few years ago, and I love this this, this example, I guess it is, like a better word. In it, this pastor surveyed two groups or identified two groups of 80 people in, in the phone book. And y'all remember what the phone book is, right? That's that book, the pages with everybody's phone number in it. 
I mean, I know most of us use your phone, your cell phone now, but, but there really was such a book. And sometimes they still drop it on your front door and you don't know what it's there for. You never take it out of the, the yellow bag. It just goes straight to the trash. Or maybe you recycle it, hopefully. But he, he identified two groups of 80, random, didn't know any of the people. One group received prayer for 90 days, pray that they would respond, pray that they would be open to the moving of God in their lives, those kinds of things. The other group of 80 did not receive any prayer. At the end of that 90 days, both groups then were called for prayer requests. Just, you know, it's one of those weird calls. Hi, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so church and just wanted to tell you we're praying for you. Is there anything we can do for you? Or call, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so church. Hey, just wanted to see if there's anything we can do for you. He said out of the 80 that no one prayed for, no one, not a single one, shared any needs. But of the 80 who had received prayer for the previous 90 days, 79 out of the 80 asked for prayer, and some even invited them over for coffee. Now, I hear that, and the former engineer in me does the math, and I find that remarkable. I find that data to be pretty astounding. It shows us that if we want to be serious about reaching people who are disconnected from God, prayer really does make a difference. Let me remind you, if you were with us last week, I asked this question, but I'm going to do it again. If, if, If you can identify somebody, an individual in your life that had a major impact on you coming to faith in Jesus Christ. If you can think of someone or ones, just raise your hand. If you can imagine, remember, somebody who had a big impact on it. Look around. A lot of hands are up. Why? Because God uses you and me. And he used somebody else to work in your life. And he wants to use you now to work in somebody else's. Guys, we are extremely significant in God's goal of bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. And so to get you thinking about that and and help you see yourself looking at this and keeping this in your mind over the coming weeks, we have given you an intentional opportunity to pray for others. In your bulletin, I hope you will grab these now, are name badges along with a card that looks like a name badge that's that's paper-clipped in there. Here's what we want you to do. Now you're going to start to understand what you see around you. I want, to, I want to ask you to take the name badges and write a name on at least one of them, up to three, or if you need more, you can get, maybe you can borrow something from someone else, on someone that you are going to be praying for for the next 30 days that is not actively involved in their faith with Jesus Christ right now. Maybe they've never been, maybe it's fallen away, whatever it may be, but who are disconnected. And I don't want you to write their whole name. I don't want you to give me anything that's identifying, okay? If they have a real unusual name, maybe just write friend or or colleague or something. But, But otherwise, just write their first name. Write it on here, and then if you're like me, to help you remember, write it on this card, and then take this card with you, maybe in your wallet, maybe tape it to the mirror in your bathroom, maybe put it in the dash of your car, And be praying for those one, two, three, however many individuals for at least the next 30 days. And then I want to invite you to take this sticker 
and stick it on the, the, the cloth part of your seat or a seat next to you as a way to reserve that seat for that person at some point in the future. To just stick it there and, and set it there to say, you know what? We want to claim some of these seats for individuals who don't yet know God, who don't yet realize that their life matters. We said prayer matters in helping people see where God has, has given us opportunities to be a witness. And we want to push through this awkwardness maybe that we feel as well as to help them overcome the blindness of faith that comes from the enemy. Now, maybe in praying for them, maybe you will see openings over the next 30 days to see Christmas coming down the road. Christmas is coming. Um, it's kind of scary to talk about it, but the season is, is nearly here, and uh, we have our normal services. And then on Christmas Eve, this church does a really big deal about Christmas Eve, and it's really about inviting those who are disconnected from God to invite them to come in so that we have services at 2, 4, 6, and 11 p.m., on Christmas Eve, and we have thousands who are here on that day. And so if the opportunity comes up in the next 30 to 45 days to invite them, next in two weeks we'll have cards or evites on our website that you can invite them specifically. But here's the thing I want to tell you. If you don't feel led to invite them in that time, or you don't feel like you need to invite them here, maybe they have a church that they sometimes went to in the past and you want to invite them to go there, that's fine. This is not about how many people we can get through our doors. This is how many people we can help know that Jesus Christ died for them and that God loves them. And so it's not necessarily about bringing them in here and this seat that you mark may just be representative of a seat somewhere else in another church. That's great. That's not a problem. But what we want to do is push through the awkwardness and be looking for where God is working and to, to listen when he opens the door for us to work into somebody's life and to speak into their life. And by praying for these individuals over the next at least 30 days, I, I wouldn't challenge you that for some of these people, some of you may be praying them for months or years. And some of you may never see their change, but someone else might because we believe in a big God that is bigger than we know and who is working in all these things. But I want to just give you now just a minute or two to go ahead and do that right here, right now. Reserve a place. Reserve a seat for that person. You do it consciously. You do it intentionally. And then write it down. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.